Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. First guest today is Eric Tomei, and our topic is Father's Day Without Father. Eric Tomei works as a physical therapist in the metro Detroit area. Following the sudden death of his dad in 2006 of an undiagnosed heart condition, Eric was inspired to write a book about his loss called I Miss My Dad. Eric is the blog editor for the Open to Hope Foundation. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you. Welcome. I, I appreciate uh, you both having me on, Gloria, Heidi, and Heidi, happy birthday. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Birthdays are always fun to celebrate. <laughs> well, Eric, it's great to uh, have you on the show today. I've enjoyed your book. I love the front of your book. It's got big, I miss my dad, and then it's a dad with a kid fishing. So tell our audience a little bit about what happened um, with your dad, and I know it was a sudden death, quite a shock from reading about it. It was. It was quite a shock. In January of 2006, um, my dad died died of an undiagnosed heart attack. He Mm. literally was getting ready for church and fell face first into the wall. We had no time to prepare. Our family was thrown into turmoil, and we were just all in such a state of shock on how a perfectly healthy individual could all of a sudden be gone from us. One hour he was here, one hour he was gone. And Eric, uh, he wasn't that old, was he? No, he was 57. He was That's 6 feet awful. tall. He was 170 pounds. He did not wow. have any risk factors for heart disease at all. Didn't smoke, didn't drink, did not have diabetes or some of the other medical conditions that are common with that. He was just an unfortunate uh, victim of undiagnosed heart disease. Wow. Well, so, and, and uh, uh, your mother was there in the room, and your sister tried to revive him. So uh, you weren't there, right? I, I was not there. I live about an hour away from my family, and, you know, we have a lot of medical people in the family. Unfortunately, none of the medical people were there that day, but nobody could have done anything about it. My mom and my sister are the real heroes in our family for the way, that, the quick way that they acted um, that day. You know, my mom was on the phone with 911. My sister valiantly tried CPR with no, with no avail, but they're the real heroes because, thank God, they were with my dad in his final uh, moments. Mm-hmm. You know, for our uh, audience out there, that's got to resonate with a lot of them. Uh, that sudden death, they're there or they're not there. I mean, y- you can't you can't win, can you? If you're not there, you wish you had been there. And if you're there, you keep having the memories of that uh, horrific experience. Absolutely, Heidi. I was I felt so guilt ridden that I was not there that it's kind of hard to deal with. Then I thought to myself, well, let's put myself in my mom and my sister's shoes. They were there, and they Mm -hmm. have to relive that every day. I don't know what's better or worse. I think it's important for everyone to find some form of closure from the situation, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. And you're a physical therapist, so I would imagine that there's a lot of uh, mental stuff with physical therapy, isn't there? Absolutely. There's, you know, of course the job is obviously physical because you're taking care of people, but really there's a lot of psychological coaching motivation. You really have to convince patients to buy into your plan to get them better, or otherwise if they don't have the confidence and the the plan and the trust in the plan, they're not going to buy into what you're saying. Yeah, so we'll want to get into some of those ideas to help motivate 
But let me ask you, what did you think it was necessary to do after the death of your dad as far as your sister and your mom and yourself uh, dealing with these aspects of being there, not being there? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I do, actually. You know, when, when a, a key family member dies in your family, you really assume a totally different role in the family dynamic. So for me, I was really one of the few males that was left in my family, so I kind of took a more, I don't want to say a parental role, but taking care of the finances, taking care of, you know, some of the emotional needs for some of my family members who were who were grieving. And your dynamic in, in your family changes, and you, sometimes you don't even realize that you just do stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily do. I mean, I still, to this day, call my mom two to three times a day just to make sure she's doing okay, just to make sure that her spirits are okay. It's always tough. You never, ever forget. You can only hope to move on. Heidi, does that sound familiar about guys doing stuff? Well, I was thinking, even in the, with the 9-11 families I've been working with for seven years, even the, the kids that were young um, often took a role where they were a little parentified and helped the mother out all of a sudden because the father was no longer in the house now. He had died. And they would fill in those kind of voids and do have you know do some of the roles that their dad used to do absolutely and you know no one can replace my dad just like nobody can replace anybody in a family Mm -hmm. but what you do is you just try to put yourself in the role and you say okay well i'm in a situation now how do we get out of it how do we deal with the problem what solutions can we bring to the table? And that's basically what I did with my family. Um, I have very independent women in my family. They're all great. I love them all dearly. But sometimes, you know, some of the tough decisions, you know, it, it sometimes falls on one person. And I was readily available and happy to accept those as my responsibilities. You know, that fits in with a little bit with guys, too, because uh, Heidi and I have found that guys like to do, right, Heidi? Absolutely. They like to be busy and they like to... Have they like to fix things, which can be hard after a loss. Sometimes you can't fix it, but they like to be active, actively involved in in things. Mm-hmm. So, um, Eric, uh, what about Father's Day is coming up? Tell us uh, what you know. What has happened for you now? Now you've shown the confidence sign. What about that other soft side that guys have? And you know, uh, guys do have a soft side. I will tell you that Father's Day for me is the toughest day of the year. It's not my dad's birthday, it's not Christmas, it's not any other holiday. It's Father's Day because that day you know you are drastically different from a lot of other people who are celebrating that holiday. And for me, that day is the day that, you know, maybe I might want to be left alone a little bit more or maybe, you know, I don't want to talk to people as much. But what I've tried to do that day since it's such an emotional day for me is that my family and I, we run our annual 5K Father's Day run in my hometown as an honor to my dad. My dad wasn't necessarily a runner, but it's a good, positive thing to do um, to deal with the the whole ramifications of the day because all the emotions come flooding back on that day. And for me, that's the toughest day to get over, knowing that you don't have a dad. You know, that's interesting, preparing for a marathon, because a lot of people, for them, anticipating the day is worse than the day. Where you're planning to run, you can kind of work on it and deal with those emotions uh, early on in a positive way. Absolutely. I mean, the way I've always tried to handle anything in life is to identify the problem and come up with a positive and constructive solution. That's exactly what I miss my dad was based on, all the positive and constructive ways that my dad 
um, influenced me and helped shape me into the man that I am today. And I know you talk about some things that I think uh, Heidi and I both resonate with uh, with my husband, uh, with uh, our son who died, is the Pinewood Derby. Oh, God, I love that race. I love that race to this day. I mean, I don't have any kids, but if I could help some Cub Scout build a car, I just want to go to the race. That's how much fun I had during that race. <laughs> it was just great. My dad and I, um, he was he was such Mr. Fix-It. He was an engineer. He could do anything, fix anything, and I was born with ten thumbs. I mean, I'm exactly the opposite. So when we um, constructed that car, you know, all I wanted to do as a little kid was win. <laughs> I didn't care what the car looked like. I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted to win. And, and probably was, so did your dad, and, and you were there with him a lot yeah, of Yeah, it was just a great, great experience. I, I loved it. One of the fond memories my dad and I have between each other. I wanted to uh, mention Eric Seitz, uh, his book first, I Miss My Dad. Great book. How can people get it, Eric? It's got wonderful little anecdotes and very amusing and sweet about Eric's dad. Uh, people can order the book uh, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, which is www.LostDadsClub.com. That's LostDadsClub.com. And everybody should remember that 25% of each book sold is being donated to Habitat for Humanity to help reach my goal of raising $1 million for Habitat for Humanity, which was my dad's favorite charity. Now, what? What? how much have you raised so far? I've raised $1,500 since April of 2008, and I've recently launched a campaign that's going to be completed on my website at the end of next week, which is called the Donate a Dollar Program, where I'm just asking everybody who visits the website to simply donate $1 to the cause. I figure in rough economic times all over the country, this is a great grassroots way to try to raise money for a very worthwhile charity. Great. And so you do it uh, also when you do the run. Is that where the money goes from the run? Yeah, the money that goes for the run actually supports the local YMCA foundation. How great. What, what uh, wonderful things for healing. What does it do for you to, to do these kinds of things for your dad? Uh, I, my dad has always ingrained in me the importance of community service. He always has taught me and my sisters that that is a way to achieve true happiness, do selflessly for others. And when I do charity work, especially for Habitat for Humanity, I'm just living the legacy that he's provided for us. So it really is a positive and rewarding experience that can't honestly be put into words many times. And it puts you in touch with him. Now, give us his name. What was his first name? My dad's first name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad's first name was Vic. And actually, that's the first time that I've actually said it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was Vic. Or that anybody's asked. So. Vic, right? Yep. Great. Uh, well, it's important, those names. Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, that we want to remember and, and put out there in the universe. So tell us about the Bake Off. I love that. In the book. <laughs> oh, the famous Bake Off. My dad. Oh my goodness. He um. We had a father son Bake Off for the Cub Scouts, and again, not one of my favorite things as a little kid. I mean, I like to eat cake. Don't get me wrong, but you know, baking a cake wasn't on the top of my list of things to do. The theme was game shows. My dad suggested that I always played shoots and ladders when I was a kid, so he wanted to make a shoots and ladders cake. I said, well, I think it's going to be kind of a, a difficult project, but I'll tell you, my dad put on the Betty Crocker mitts, and he went at that cake, and we actually won a prize for the best design of a cake. The shoots and we, we mimicked the shoots and ladders game board. It was unbelievable. <laughs> great. So those great stories. Well, tell us... Um, 
what you miss most about your dad, one quickie. Yeah, I miss most about my dad just asking him a question, just him mm-hmm. being there if I need him. Um, how do you fix a doorknob? What do you do around the house? What does the lawn look like? It's just random stuff that I used to ask him that I just don't have the answers to anymore. Just the little day-to-day things that we share with our parents, it sounds Absolutely. Like. It's not anything specific, but everything in general. Yeah. Yeah, and and what would you suggest to our folks out there who have recently lost their dads and and uh, in a sudden death? It's been now three years for you. Uh, talk about the journey, how, you know, from beginning to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, you know, that first year was honestly a blur. What people are going to have to do is just give yourself time. Let yourself feel the emotions you're feeling. If you feel mad or angry, feel mad or angry. If you feel happy that day, don't feel guilty for feeling happy and joyful. When a, when a dad or a loved one has passed. It took me a long time and my family a long time, I think, to get that important um, idea and apply it to our lives. You just have to, you are on your own timetable, nobody else's. You have to do what works for you. Find support where you can get it because you're going to need the network, whether that's family, friends, clergy, etc. It's been a long, long journey. Um, you know, the journey really never ends. But um, really, time does make a difference. You have to be patient with yourself and be understanding with yourself. Now, do you think it's hard for guys to reach out? Um, I think some, yes. And, and that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book, too. I wanted everyone to be able to relate to my dad and I, whether you've lost a dad or not. So it could be a, an, another loved one, like a child, an uncle, a mom, whoever. I want people to put themselves in, in my shoes and related to their experiences losing that all-important loved one in their lives. And, Eric, you've, you, there's other ways that people can find support and even in, connect with you. I mean, I know you do a blog for our foundation. You have your own blog, and you have a Facebook page. And Absolutely, And can you tell us about those, those ways that they can, people can connect to you out there that are grieving? Absolutely. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be one of the editors of the Open to Hope Parent Loss um, blogs. It's a great blog. I think I started writing for it last November, and it's really helped me um, channel my feelings even three years after. Even after writing a book about my dad, there's still some things um, that, you know, sometimes you kind of want to get out, and that blog certainly has been a blessing for me. I also have a Facebook page, um, an I Miss My Dad fan page, where you can share stories, comments, and just little snippets of everyday life that hopefully people can relate to. We started the page about a month ago, and we're almost up to 1,400 fans. Um, we get, fans get updates twice a week on uh, the content, and they're encouraged to share stories, comments, and any relative, um, uh, any relative things that they feel is appropriate um, about their dad or loved one. That's great. Well, now tell us about writing the book. How did you decide to do it? How have people in your family, how have they responded to it, and, and how would you know, somebody go about doing this? Yeah, that's a great question. Initially, when I started writing the book, I wrote um, at 2 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. I went through a lot of sleepless nights, so that's when I focused on all the positive and constructive ways. I took a notepad and a pen, and that's how it started. Because I wrote so many good things about him that I remembered, I thought, well, you know what? We're going to make a book, and other people can benefit from this. And that's really what I want. I wanted other people to benefit 
from all the shared experiences and stories that my dad and I went through so that they can apply it to their lives in their times of need. But I'll tell you, writing a book itself was a little challenging. I mean, the writing part wasn't, the everything else is. Uh, getting it published, you mean? Yeah, I mean, I went through a self-publisher. That's how I decided to do it, and and that's good. But I will suggest to anybody who wants to write a book that if you're going to write a book, just be prepared to have a marketing plan in place because the writing of the book is easy. The getting it out, the word out to the public is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Well, the Internet makes it a little easier, but, um, yeah, it it can be a challenge. Well, I I like the idea where you're telling our audience out there, if you've lost a dad, I mean, you know, I'm thinking that just writing your thoughts about Father's Day uh, as it comes on can be very, very healing or, you know, as you said, getting that information out. Absolutely. So your little anecdotes, and also how about the, you know, sitting around the Thanksgiving, I mean, excuse me, the table on Sunday at Father's Day if you get together and having people talk about your dad if you've lost a father and putting down those uh, stories. I think it's a great idea. I think whatever you do to honor your your dad on Father's Day is especially important, not only to personally healing and moving on and moving forward, but to remember the great guy that your dad or loved one was. And uh, your dad did genealogy. Yeah. So yeah. he had a lot of stories, right? Right, right. He was interested in the, in the family history. He okay. was. Well, let me ask a, a, a question. What if you didn't get along with your dad? Well, I'll tell you, and I'll admit it to all your readers, we did not have the perfect relationship. I mean, there were times where our relationship was rocky. So this wasn't you know, a buddy-buddy, you know, best friend type of relationship. But I respect the heck out of my dad, and mm-hmm. I know that he always wanted to teach uh, me and my sisters to be the best possible individuals that we could be. So if you don't get along with your dad, that's okay. You can draw the positives from that by saying, well, if I have kids someday, this is how I'm going to treat my kids because my dad didn't do this for me. You always have to try to spin it to try to be positive as much as you can to help move on from the situation. Right, and it's interesting because sometimes when you have your own kids, you start saying, oh, now I understand why my parents did that. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. now I have my own kids and I'm doing it. <laughs> you appreciate them that much more. So that's Absolutely. a good point. And, and, you know, I love how you've continued bonds with your dad, even though he's not here. You've done so many wonderful things in his memory. Thank you. And as a tribute to him. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's really wonderful to uh, see what you can do. And I like your idea about pulling uh, things out. Even even if you did have a horrendous relationship with your parent or you didn't see them or whatever, you can still talk about what you would like to see, what you would have liked to have seen. And, and I think the more you write, the more you understand and the more you live, but the more you write, if you've lost a parent, that maybe your parents were divorced and you didn't see them that much, when you write about your feelings about not seeing them or whatever, you sometimes find those little nuggets in there of uh, uh, maybe the reason they were the way they were or or maybe find even some a few of the good things that they did. Absolutely. I think it all boils down to perspective. You know, when you're going through a situation, sometimes you don't understand why you're going through it or you don't understand what the problem or the solution is. But only through time, you, you gain perspective on things, and you truly do realize, like Heidi was saying, how you can appreciate your parents for the people that they were. Well, also, I think sometimes love is quiet, 
so we don't remember it as much, and conflict is loud. So we tend to remember the conflicts oftentimes more than the love. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good point. And, it is. And, you know, maybe one of the things that uh, one of the things that writing does is it can pull out even memories. It's amazing sometimes what you'll come up with that you didn't remember um, when you start writing and, and doing those kind of things and, and retelling your story. And I think particularly, um, Eric, where you had, your family had that horrendous experience and that sudden death, I think writing about that can also be really helpful. It was. It was, a, it was definitely a healing tool for me. I, I would never deny that. It definitely, it definitely helped in my situation. Mm-hmm. And you proved that anyone can write a book, right? Because <laughs> Well, you know, the funny thing is that I had people tell me, teachers and, and fellow students tell me all my life as I was going through high school and college that my writing stunk, that I would never, that I'm not a good writer and I'm not a good writer. I'm like, well, I guess it just goes to show that you don't have to be a good writer to write a book. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's like people who say you can't sing. That's right. I mean, everyone can sing. Absolutely, whether it's in the shower or on stage. <laughs> yeah, and everybody has wonderful ideas. Somebody else can help you edit it if you need right. that. If people need that kind of help, I'm, I'm a true believer in that. Everybody has a voice. It just is a mm-hmm. matter of how it's expressed. That's a great way to end the show today, and it, that everyone has a voice and. And we want to thank, uh, and and can use that, we want to thank Eric Tomei for being on our show today and talking about his dad, and I highly recommend getting his book, I Miss My Dad. It's got a lot of great little stories and anecdotes in it. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.